So bullying really encompasses a few things. And what's interesting is there's not one place in, in the US or really around the world, there's not one place you can go to get a consistent definition. So bullying is um, toxic behavior or toxic words that are targeted and intentional and reoccurring. So what's, what is interesting about bullying is someone can say something to you in the workplace and it can definitely be toxic. If it happens once and it's not reoccurring and they're not necessarily targeting you, it is toxic, it needs to be addressed, it's not necessarily bullying. Bullying occurs over and over and over again and the bully at a certain point knows they're doing it and is trying to do it to you. So an example that I have from my experience as a former bully, I hate to say this, but I will use myself, is that I used fear to quote unquote motivate my team members. So I would say things over and over to team members like, Welcome to Intensify Humanity podcast. We bring the stories of ordinary human beings with extraordinary journeys. They have been grinded through life in terms of extreme challenges, guilt, shame, and things people cannot even imagine. All because they made a choice or decision in life. They are literally not just inspiring, but intensifying humanity through unconventional ways to such an extent that other human beings are inspired and pushed to live to their highest potential in life. I, Sundata Sarkar, your host today, will bring about the story of one such human being. I hope you find this episode inspirational. How does it feel when you are working in a toxic work environment? Getting bullied may not be physically, but mentally and emotionally every single day. Would you like to work in that kind of environment? I'm sure you will not. This human being who had a major realization in his life at a point of time and he does not shame away in accepting that he was a former bully is now spreading awareness and changing the world by educating people how to make a work environment non-toxic and human-friendly, productive and mentally and emotionally efficient. He has worked with Cirque du Soleil, Google Uber, Microsoft and many more big names as well and is on a mission to spread more awareness and help people identify this issue which is creating a havoc in a professional's life. He is none other than James Urf J. Guilford, the leadership strategist who is cleaning the toxic work environment at all possible levels thereby intensifying humanity to his best possible extent. Welcome, Jay, to Intensify Humanity podcast, and I'm really glad to have you here today. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Thank you. Thank you, Samdita. Jay, uh, you have been speaking about the right form of leadership and about mm -hmm. strategies to address the toxic work culture and workplace behaviors, anti-bullying, etc. So why and when did you feel the need of speaking about this kind of teaching and spreading awareness uh, among people in this particular domain? Oh, uh, here's a story. <laughs> um, longer, shorter, I was a former bully. So at 23 years old, I became um, a director of teaching interns. And because I was a really great individual contributor, I got a leadership position. And because I was very assertive, in some ways I was effective. 
um, I realized after three sets of reviews that I was a bully. Um, a lot of the interns and the teachers that I supervised said that I was great at a lot of things, that I was also very intimidating. So part of the reason why um, I speak out against bullying is because I was a former bully. Another reason why is because I worked in uh, several corporate environments and I was also bullied. <laughs> you know, I was... Um, very toxic things were said and done to me by senior leaders and organizations. And so I understand both from um, having been a former bully and from having experienced bullying that it's important and it can affect people's livelihood and their lives. And also I've had the good, great fortune of working across a lot of corporations from all around the world, teams from all around the world. And I've seen what great teams do and great leaders do to create a non-toxic culture. So it's three things. My experience as a former and a reformed bully, I am reformed, I'm not a bully anymore. Um, my experience having been bullied and my work across lots of Fortune 500 companies and other corporations, seeing what they do to create non-toxic cultures. So that's why I'm so interested in this. It takes a lot of courage to accept that you were a former bully and now yeah. how you have reformed and all. So hats off to you. Thank you really you. have the guts and you are changing <laughs> the world for a better. So when you, you say bully, right? So can you just give me an example how it happens in this kind of work culture? So bullying really encompasses a few things. And what's interesting is there's not one place in, in the US or really around the world, there's not one place you can go to get a consistent definition. So bullying is um, toxic behavior or toxic words that are targeted and intentional and reoccurring. So what's, what is interesting about bullying is someone can say something to you in the workplace and it can definitely be toxic. If it happens once and it's not reoccurring and they're not necessarily targeting you, it is toxic, it needs to be addressed, it's not necessarily bullying. Bullying occurs over and over and over again, and the bully at a certain point knows they're doing it and is trying to do it to you. So an example that I have from my experience as a former bully, I hate to say this, but I will use myself, is that I used fear to quote unquote motivate my team members. So I would say things over and over to team members like, I don't care how you feel, I just need you to do your job. That doesn't necessarily sound like toxic words because there's no profanity. The ways that I said it, I intentionally wanted to make them feel fearful and using that fear to get them to do what I wanted them to do. And I targeted specific team members. I do not do that anymore. I have learned. I'm using myself as an example to help you understand that bullying doesn't have to be profanity or someone doing something. It can just be toxic behavior repeated and targeted. So these are mm -hmm. so heavy words. The example mm -hmm. that you get, uh, gave, yet they contain such sensitivity in it. Mm -hmm. Yes, like they it do. It can like, destroy life, self-confidence, self-image, yes, everything. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah, it does. It's um, interesting to me because I think one of the reasons why bullying occurs in the workplace is because most people aren't trained to be leaders. What happens, I've seen this in organizations from all around the world, um, and actually there's a study by the publishers of Myers-Briggs that show that globally, 82% of us will experience conflict in the workplace. 
And also globally, 70% of us say that we're not trained in conflict mediation or management or resolution. So we can see that 82% of us will experience conflict. It happens in the workplace. And most of us don't have any training on how to deal with conflict. So when you get a leader who isn't trained to deal with their direct reports conflict, they can rely on fear and intimidation and it becomes bullying in the workplace. This is so vital. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more with you on this. And so which brings me to my next question. Like you have done several workshops and wrote about Mm -hmm. various factors around leadership Mm -hmm. and this domain and spoken to so many people across the globe. So Mm -hmm. what is the most concerning thing you came across when you interacted with those people? So I'm going to say this and I want everyone to pause and listen. The most concerning thing to me is our lack of agency, our, our lack of power as victims of bullying. So I have been refining a message that, that I think is really important, uh, that as the victim of bullying, we also have a lot of power. And what's, what is concerning is that you may be a victim of bullying for three months, five months, 10 months, a year. And then because you are a victim of that bullying, your emotional stability is eroded and you need that emotional stability to respond to bullying. So at the point where you realize I have to go to someone in the organization, I have to go to human resources, you're emotionally worn away. So when I've coached a lot of people through bullying in lots of organizations, and what they often say to me, I would say 85% of the time, the victim says, there's nothing I can do. There is a lot, there are a lot of things that you can do. I understand that because you are emotionally worn away and you are the victim of intimidation, the very intimidation makes you feel unempowered. So what I want to do is to help people understand where their power can come from. I recently, uh, Sumdata, I recently had a coaching session with a person who works at a large tech firm and their boss is bullying them. So I do two things when I work with individuals and teams. So with this person, we laid down all of what was going on. We discussed all of the things that were happening. They were being cursed out, yelled at, very toxic. And then we laid out what was going on in this person's life. They had someone in their family who had an addiction. They had some issues with their grandkids. They had some financial troubles. So we laid out what was going on. We laid out what was going on in their life. And we laid out all the things that they could do. Like they could go to HR, they could go get a lawyer, they could uh, ask their uh, team members to stand up and walk out. And then we looked at the whole map of everything and decided right now, you don't have the emotional wherewithal to stand up and fight in that way. So I want to tell victims that let's separate our willingness or our emotional wherewithal to do something from the ability that we can do something. So we can definitely understand that there are lots of things we can do. That's where our power is. And you can also be in a place where emotionally, you may not have it in you to do most of those things. So it's concerning to me when victims are so worn down that they feel like there's nothing they can do. I am working to empower those victims and to stand up with them and to work within organizations to make it easier for victims to stand up. Wow. Mm -hmm. So indirectly or directly, can we say that if this uh, scenario is not checked upon, is not taken care of, it leads to also mental health problems, which is one of the biggest problem in the world? 
Oh yeah, um, uh, Workplace Bullying Institute has statistics, statistics about um, the impact of bullying. It uh, lowers morale. When other people see it, it produces negative work. Uh, lots of people disengage because they're like, I'm not going to be around that bully. So they actually don't go to meetings or they don't speak up. And if we're just thinking about cultures that are innovative, you need people to feel free and comfortable to innovate and they need to be able to speak out and make mistakes. If you have uh, an intimidating culture, a culture of fear, then people aren't gonna give those ideas because they're gonna feel like they're gonna be shut down. I worked with a large, one of the largest architectural firms in the world, we did a session with them. Um, and one of the things they said they were struggling to, uh, to get over is a culture of fear. They said, you know, we do some great work and they're, they've done some amazing work and they're still overcoming the fear of making mistakes. So it does directly impact the bottom line. Intimid I mean, intimidation and innovation don't go together. You can't innovate if you're intimidated. You know, you, retention and intimidation don't go together. Uh, you know, the bottom line will be impacted because you're not getting the best product or ser products or services. People are disengaged. You look on Glassdoor, and uh, you know, I just read, uh, I was working with a group and I just read their glass door information and it's really bad because they have intimidating bosses and it says that on glass door and their rating's really low and that detracts talent. So there's a lot of reasons, it's very obvious reasons why you should not bully. In addition to it just being wrong, you know, it's just not great for people, yeah. You've mm -hmm. put it so beautifully and so mm -hmm. simply for people to understand. Mm -hmm. And the part that you said that intimidation and innovation cannot go hand in hand. They do not, no, no. And all the companies in the world need to imbibe that in their culture so deeply. I, we need that. to think about Google. I think it's a, it's a cliche example. It's really great. If Google had told their engineers that Gmail was a stupid idea, like it was, someone, it was something someone produced on their off time at Google, if they or AdSense, they wouldn't have the one billion dollar, one billion followers that they have now in Gmail, the one billion subscribers. So it's not, I mean, there's some work that many companies can do. One thing that those companies who innovate are usually known for is openness to new ideas. And you can't have bullies and be open to new ideas. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you have worked with some big names like, I don't know how to pronounce this, but uh, Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil, Circus of the Sun, Cirque du Soleil. Yes, yeah, Cirque du Soleil, uh -huh. Google, uh -huh. Uber, Microsoft, and many more. Like, mm -hmm. what do you think the work cultures across the globe are lacking when it comes to leadership? Well, I want to first, yes, I have worked with those companies. And I want to also say that the companies that I list that I work for are fortunately ahead of the curve. Many of them um, already have great cultures and they're working with me to improve those cultures. Um, I would say what I see generally, not, name, not saying those companies have problems because they don't mostly, what I'm saying generally I see is that there are a couple of things that a lot of people do in leadership that they should stop doing right now. One, stop promoting individual contributors to be leaders unless you train them. What happens in a lot of organizations is that you see an individual who's good at their job. Let's say they're good at making envelopes. So you say, I'm gonna make you the head of the envelopes team. Making a product and teaching people how to make a product are two different things. Um, giving a service and motivating your team to do the best, best work are different things. So one, 
if you promote an individual contributor, give them the leadership and management skills necessary to do that job. Two, soft skills are important. So I think we have a reverence for technical skills. So if you see someone who's good at a certain um, process or computer program, we're like, they're a genius. Soft skills are really important because if you make soft skills mistakes, you're negatively impacting people. So training in soft skills is necessary and valuable and important because I, I, I equate it like this, um, some dude, this is the best way of thinking about it. Um, promoting someone to leadership because they're good at something is the equivalent of saying, oh, we had a great conversation in the break room, so I wanna make you the keynote speaker of our conference. They're two very different things. What just an example you just Yeah, made. it is, yeah. Uh, and I, I would say the third thing is have some thresholds for your management. So have some things to say, hey, if you're gonna be a manager, these are the things you have to do. First, we're gonna do a 360 review in the first 90 days. You have to do these sets of in-person training because they're soft skills, they need to be in person. And say, we're requiring this across our organization because this is who we are. You need to be committed to building leadership in your culture. Absolutely. Wow. Mm -hmm. it, it was a great mm -hmm. analogy and a great example. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So do you also believe that education plays an important role in shaping up a leader and not just a leader, these kind of human beings who finally go in a work culture and be a part of it? Yes, I do. It's, Gallup has an interesting statistic, part of which I agree with, part of which I don't. Gallup has used their 26 million points of data across over four decades. And they think that one in 10 people, have, only one in 10 people have the natural skill to be leaders, which I think that is true, have the natural skill. What they also say is that it can't be taught necessarily. I disagree with that because I've been taught to be a better leader and I've taught lots of people to be better leaders. Education is key. It is vital for organizations to identify key skills like giving, I'll give you an example. Learn, teach your employees to give feedback. That's a soft skill. It's necessary for the job. If you want people to be better at their job, they need to get feedback. If you want your team members to be better at their job, they need to know how to, your leaders need to know how to give feedback. Feedback is a soft skill. Most leaders aren't trained to give feedback to their team. So, and that will impact if they get better at their job or not. So yes, training is key. So I would say some trainings that I would identify for teams are giving feedback, managing conflict, because there will be conflict at work, and developing emotional intelligence, because you need to be emotionally aware of yourself and your reactions. When you're leading a group of 20 or 40 or 80, they're all going to have their own emotional reactions. So yeah, I, I, training is key. It's just... Yeah, it has to happen. So training, coaching, mentoring, all are essential mm -hmm. part to make yeah. somebody who is not a leader to make them a proper leader. Exactly. And giving exactly. a feedback. I'm yeah. sure if every company inculcates this thing, there would be a massive disruption in this industry. Yes, yes. Which it is would very be. much the need of the R. Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. Wow. All these uh, like makes me ask you, what is your purpose in life? Wow, uh, I was, that's great that you asked. I, I, I recently discovered this, I'd say in the past five years, my purpose is to help 
people work better together. We're gonna spend 96,000 hours at work on average. That's 5.7 million minutes. I think people can be more engaged and enjoy work more. Part of that is teaching leaders how to be better so that they can shape the culture. So my purpose in life is to help people work better together. And if I, when I go in and impact the leaders, it impacts the entire organization. Um, and I would say one of my key skills is I've worked with a lot of senior leaders, a lot of C-level executives, CEOs, CTOs, vice presidents, uh, directors, and I've trained a lot of teams. My key skill is coming in and identifying the, the uncomfortable problem and speaking to leaders in ways that they can hear that difficult thing and change. What's really valuable about bringing someone in from the outside, and this is my purpose, is that I can come in, I have no skin in the game, I don't work for anyone, and I can clearly say the things that might be uncomfortable for team members to say, and I can also guide everyone towards a solution. Um, so that's my purpose. I, I mean, people have called me the boss whisperer, like the horse whisperer, but the boss whisperer, um, because I've stood in front of leaders and I've said things that other people thought would be shocking and unpopular because I've had the good, great fortune of seeing it across a lot of organizations. I can say it and back it up with data in ways that they can hear it because even mostly I've worked with lots of leaders who have big personalities and they all want to do a good job. So whatever they're doing, even if it's toxic, it's really because they wanna be good at their job and helping them find other tools to be good at their job is what I'm here to do. Yeah. Such a simple, powerful, yet such a deep purpose you have to help Thank the people you. who are going mm -hmm. to spend so many hours together. 96,000 hours, 96, 5.7 million minutes of our lives. Oh we got to enjoy God. that. <laughs> That's a massive <laughs> statistics. You have found yeah. So thank you for sharing that. And congratulations and all the best that you are already working on this. <laughs> so uh, what is your next initiative or initiatives which you are coming up with? Well, um, I, I'm, I am working on two books. <laughs> One is uh, the working title is It Takes a Bully. It Takes a Village to Stop a Bully. That's the Takes title. Takes a village Work, to start a, to stop wow. a bullet. Yeah, wow. that's the working title of that. And then I have another one that's actually in the hands of agents, so I probably shouldn't talk about it. Um, I'll be, I'm, I'm doing a series of workshops. I'm, I'm always booking workshops. I work all around the world. I'll be in Barbados, actually, uh, in two weeks, Columbia, and then Barbados, speaking in Barbados at a Disrupt HR conference. And then I have some groups I'm working with here. I have some stuff I'm doing using circus arts as leadership. Uh, so I have a lot going on and I'm always looking to come out to groups and to do this work more. That's beautiful. You also answered my next question, which was about uh, your upcoming book or have you written yes. a book? <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, work I'm working on it now. I'm so when is I it mean, coming gonna... out? Uh, well, I am waiting for the agent to say yes. So as soon as that agent signs and then we're going to um, go to then we'll go to uh, publishers. So I, I hope by the end of the year, so that, you know, it's a amorphous kind of situation, but oh, it's in the hands of awesome. agents now. So yeah. all the best for your book. And I'm sure Thank it's you. going to change lives of so many people out there. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Right. So uh, who's your favorite author? Oh, oh, that changes. Oh man. Who I read something 
The Originals by Adam Grant wow. is um, a book I recently read that was astounding. I think that, first of all, the anecdotes he gave about how leaders and people come up with these innovative things and do these straight great, great things, you don't, and he talks about the fear and how they, you know, question themselves. He gives a great example about MLK's speech and how he wrote it at the last minute, you know? So I would say at right now, Adam Grant's The Original was the last book that I read that I thought was like <gasps> amazing. Yeah. All right. Got it. Mm -hmm. So do you call yourself a leadership coach or a mentor trainer? How do you call yourself in a one? Uh, I, I would say leadership strategist because I, okay. I, I say it that way because I think leadership needs a strategy and data behind it. So what I do and my team does is we use statistics and data and neuroscience to build our curriculum. So I think a lot, I think it can be woo woo or up in the air like, oh, this is leadership. It's like neuroscience says this, this is what's happening in your brain. These are what the statistics are. This is what I see in your organization. And here's the strategy for us to improve this. Wow, leadership, so leadership strategist. strategist. That's yes. a powerful name. So mm -hmm. my question is, if not a leadership strategist, then what would Jay be? I, actually, my father was a janitor and he cleaned schools and I love cleaning. So it sounds, it doesn't sound like the most glamorous answer. I would probably be a janitor. I really enjoy cleaning spaces. So if I were, I, if I, want, I would be a janitor or maybe a runner. I don't know. Yeah. Never heard such an honest <laughs> answer. Trust me. Yeah. And it's a very beautiful answer because you are actually cleaning the toxic environments out there. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's yeah, a really good one. Yes, I am. So uh -huh. really, uh, I mean, it's beautiful. Whatever so Sundana, are you saying I should call myself leadership janitor? Is that what you just said? Oh, wow. See, another new <laughs> innovation just happened here. Yes. So that, that's a something I'm sure nobody's mm -hmm. using that in the world. That I might have to claim that one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Great, great. So how can our listeners connect with you? A couple of ways. As you've seen, Sundara, on my LinkedIn, I'm super active on LinkedIn. So my name there is James Guilford, G U I L. F as in Frank, O-R-D as in David. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. You can also email me at j at coworkslead.com. Um, yeah, those are the two places that I'm most active on, on LinkedIn. And uh, you can connect with me at j at coworkslead.com. Awesome, superb. And your mission is absolutely brilliant and especially i love that cleaning part because you actually are practically cleaning the toxic environment in work cultures you have pointed out something to me that i'm gonna have to work in now <laughs> <laughs> okay uh -huh. awesome great and thank you so much uh, jay or james whatever you either <laughs> one works for me yeah uh -huh. for coming to my show and sharing with us this beautiful journey of yours and the kind of work you are doing I mean, immense, tremendous. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for taking this initiative and yeah. helping people out there. And also thank you for coming to my show once again. All right. Thank you so much. And I look forward to speaking with you again later. Of course. Sure. Definitely. Alrighty. All the best. All right. All right. 
Thank you for tuning into my show. That was James or Jay Gilford, the human being who is working to clean up the toxic work environment at all possible levels of the work system thereby intensifying humanity to the best possible extent. I hope you found this episode inspirational. 